We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 266 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 8th, 2022, a day on which Major League Baseball could cancel another week of regular season games as the lockout continues. We on Monday night had multiple reports of this possibility if there's no deal between MLB and the MLB Players Association by sometime on Tuesday, then another week of the 2022 regular season will be canceled. Although at the same time, it has been reported that each team playing the full 162 games in the 2022 regular season might still be a possibility. Confused? You're not alone. Uh, I still think that a deal is coming sooner rather than later, but uh, I said that last week and there's still no deal. Uh, Hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Nice to have you with us. The momentum for a commander's trade for Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson continued on Monday. Where this momentum will ultimately lead is anyone's guess. Maybe nowhere, but then again, maybe somewhere. Uh, Watson has a no trade clause in his contract. He would have to approve a trade to the commanders, but someone who knows Watson well thinks that Watson would approve a trade to the commanders. You will hear from that person, and I will discuss all of this coming up in just a bit. Also, the NFL's salary cap for the 2022 season now is set. I have some thoughts on that, including thoughts pertaining to the commanders and a potential Terry McLaurin contract extension. Special guest on the show, Jeff Ehrman, the publisher of InsideMDSports.com. He is the best insider for Maryland basketball and football. Jeff will tell us about the Terrapins search for a head basketball coach. Who are the candidates? What happened with the Rick Pitino candidacy to become Terps head coach? What truly happened with the departure of Mark Turgeon and a lot more? If you are a Terps fan, uh, you do not want to miss my conversation with Jeff Ehrman. So we had big NFL news on Monday afternoon, right? Atlanta Falcons receiver Calvin Ridley suspended for at least the 2022 season for gambling on games in 2021. Uh, The NFL put out a statement announcing the suspension, said that Ridley gambled on games over a five-day stretch in November 2021 when he was on the non-football injury list to address his mental health. Now, there's no indication that like games were compromised or anybody threw games or anything like that. Uh, Ridley on Monday tweeted that he bet $1,500 total and that, quote, I don't have a gambling problem, end quote. Uh, He may not. Uh, I'm certainly willing to believe that. But uh, (laughs) those $1,500 in bets are going to cost him his pay for an entire NFL season at least. Okay, because Ridley is suspended for at least the 2022 season. Uh, He was set to be paid $11.1 million for the 2022 season. So let's just bottom line this. $1,500 in bets cost this guy 
$11.1 million in salary. I would call that a bad beat, okay? I would call that an unsuccessful bet. That's not supposed to be the way that betting uh, works out for you, but so often that is how gambling uh, works out for you. But here's the thing. For our purposes as fans of the quarterback needy commanders, might the absence of Calvin Ridley for at least the 2022 season for the Falcons expedite their rebuild and mean that Matt Ryan now is truly available. Now, he may have been available already. It's hard to tell exactly where the Falcons are with Matt Ryan. I talked about Ryan on Friday's show, episode 264. He is a declining player. I'm not in love with the idea of the commanders trading for Ryan, but if they whiff on all of these other veteran quarterback options, then I wouldn't be stunned if they had interest in Ryan as their veteran quarterback acquisition this offseason. Remember, Ron Rivera has talked about how the team needs a veteran quarterback addition, but also is very open to a rookie quarterback addition. I think that both additions are coming. And so it could be that Matt Ryan potentially emerges here as a veteran quarterback addition option for the commanders. Matt Ryan could not be the entire plan for the commanders at quarterback, but I could see him being part of the plan. So we'll see if this Calvin Ridley suspension impacts where the Falcons are at with Matt Ryan. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Murph on the commanders reportedly being in on potentially trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, writes Murph, Al, I have not missed an episode. Awesome show. Thank you, Murph. Continues, Murph. If they are in on Watson, they better get him a nun. I'm much older than you. However, I suspect you get the reference. I am a product of Catholic grade school and high school. As a G-Town prep guy, I'm sure you had some exposure to nuns. Anyway, the nuns I had were from Italy. They did not speak English well, and they did rule with the yardstick. You dared not cross them. Back then, if the nuns beat you up a bit, they would call your parents so when you got home, you got another round of the ruler. <laughs> so, so, so I would want Don Ron to get Watson a nun to keep him in line. All the best. Murph. Uh, yes, Murph. That sounds like some Adrian Peterson-style discipline uh, right there. I am familiar with Catholic school nuns. Uh, we did not have nuns at Georgetown Prep. We had priests, but I went to Catholic grade school, and that school had nuns. Uh, eight years of nuns, four years of priests, 12 years of therapy, and here we are. But uh, here is the thing about Deshaun Watson being disciplined by a nun uh, with a ruler or a yardstick. Uh, let's see. How do I put this? Well, knowing what we may know about Watson, he might be into that, okay? Uh, he might see an authoritarian woman with a means of physical punishment for him as <laughs> an incentive, not a deterrent, okay? I mean, I'm just saying, him being disciplined by a woman with a yardstick or a woman with a ruler might appeal to Watson. I don't know. But if you're Ron Rivera, if you're Don Ron, uh, that is something that you would have to consider. Uh, I, on Monday's show, episode 265, talked about whether the commanders are a quarterback away of what NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com tweeted this past Friday in reporting that the commanders had made a trade offer to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. Rappaport on Friday in his tweets said that the commanders were, quote, ready to deal and given what they have on their roster, they may be a QB away. A surefire starter changes everything for a team ready to compete and quote. Now, whether the commanders are a quarterback away depends on how you define what being a quarterback away means. Uh, I said that I do believe that the commanders are a quarterback away from being a double-digit win team, which means a legit playoff team. Email from Joe 
in Silver Spring. Right, Joe? Very interesting subject on the pod. Are the commanders, ugh, I'm mad at the team for even making me say that stupid name, really just a QB away? I would argue that they are a QB away from being good, but not a QB away from being great. That doesn't mean they shouldn't go all out to find a great QB. Of course, they should. Heck, being good, I'll take it. And any team that doesn't have that great QB should always be doing all it can to find one. But when the team speaks of being a QB away, the implication is that the team, if it gets a QB, will immediately turn into a Super Bowl contender, a la the Bucks and the Rams these past two years. The commander's roster is currently decent, but not good enough to where plugging in a great QB makes the team a great team. Keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I would not say that the commanders are a quarterback away from being a strong Super Bowl contender. Uh, The roster isn't that good. The commanders, to me, have a middle-of-the-pack roster, a top-15 roster in the NFL, a top-18 roster in the NFL, something like that. But the roster isn't terrible. You know, the roster this past season wasn't maximized due to injuries on offense and some uh, screwy scheme stuff and player deployment stuff on defense. I talked about those things on Monday's show. A tweet from Rick Proctor. Al, if you believe skins are a QB away, then you are a 6 p.m. TV show away from being Walter Cronkite. The playoffs showed me rather starkly that we have a ton of holes and are maybe two drafts away from being truly competitive for the Super Bowl. Uh, Yes, thank you, Rick. Uh, Yeah, Walter Cronkite was before my time, but... uh, I know of who you speak. I don't think that the commander's holes are as big of a problem as you think. The commanders have holes. I mean, I totally get that. But having a high-level quarterback would cover up a lot of those holes. Having a high-level quarterback changes everything. An example that I come back to is the 2012 Redskins. Uh, That team was very flawed, and yet that team went 10-6 and and won the NFC East because that team got high-level quarterback play from, yes, a rookie in Robert Griffin III. He was throwing passes to the likes of Joshua Morgan and Leonard Hankerson and Aldrich Robinson and an aging Santana Moss and a Pierre Garçon who missed a lot of time that season due to a toe injury. And the team's top tight end that season ended up being Logan Paulson. And the team's defense for that season was far from special. And yet that team went 10 and 6. That was not some special roster. And yet that team went 10 and 6. And no doubt, another rookie, Alfred Morris, had a lot to do with that 10 and 6 regular season record. But nobody had more to do with that than the quarterback, RG3. The impact of high level quarterback play on a team cannot be overstated. RG3, electrifying! Yes, RG3, electrifying. Well, if you own, run, or work at a business that you want to be electrifying. RG3, electrifying! Yes, electrifying. Uh, then you should contact Imageworks. If you are looking to be more creative and effective with how you run your business, if you are looking to improve how you communicate and reach customers, if you're looking to upgrade how you operate digitally, put Imageworks to work for you. Imageworks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company, and Imageworks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. More on that offer in moments. But Imageworks has the talent and experience to make sure that you outshine the competition. Imageworks is an award-winning full-service marketing agency, web design company, and branding firm all in one. Imageworks and you will plan your success strategy, create exceptional brand and web experiences, market your business to your customers, and evolve your brand and website experience. Imageworks has a wide range of clients, uh, startups, small businesses, mid-sized businesses. Also, Imageworks can work with a business based anywhere, not just in the DMV. So what's the offer? Well, Imageworks doesn't want to sell you. Imageworks wants to show you. 
what it can do. And that starts with a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. ImageWorks and you will plan with digital web and marketing goals that you can see live via ImageWorks customers portal. The portal shows you how all goals are performing in Google Analytics and how all marketing programs and website visitors are behaving. So here's what you do. Go to ImageWorksCreative.com. Click on contact, you're the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Uh, that's image, one word, works, plural, creative.com. Imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact, you're the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Imageworkscreative.com, upper right corner, mention the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, you could also call or text the owner of Imageworks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. You can text him right now, 703-928-7309, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Scott is a big fan of all Washington, D.C. area teams. He is a regular listener of this podcast, and he loves brainstorming ideas and technology that can help you grow your business. He will take your business to the next level. Scott has been doing what he is doing since 1996. ImageWorks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. All right, before we talk about the latest on our commanders potentially trading for Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, I do want to note what became official on Monday, the NFL's salary cap for the 2022 season. The cap will be $208.2 million. Uh, Teams must be at or under the cap by the start of the new league year on March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. But note that cap number, $208.2 million. First time ever that the NFL salary cap is at $200 million or more. And that number represents a major spike from the salary cap for the 2021 season. Uh, The salary cap for the 2021 season was $182.5 million. The cap went down from the 2020 season to the 2021 season due to lost revenue from the 2020 season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But the cap has bounced back big time, a $25.7 million increase from the 2021 season to the 2022 season. If you look at the history of the NFL salary cap, uh, it has been going up by at least $10 million every year for nearly a decade now. The exception is last year due to the pandemic, but otherwise, starting with 2013 to 2014, the cap has gone up by at least $10 million every year, with the exception of last year. Uh, This is why I have my saying, today's overpay is tomorrow's bargain. If you sign a good player to a big money contract today and you believe in that player, don't worry about the money because the money is going to look less and less onerous as time goes on because the cap keeps going up by at least $10 million every year. Uh, This applies perfectly to the commanders and Terry McLaurin. If the commanders believe in Terry and they should, then they shouldn't hesitate to pay him big money via a contract extension this offseason because that extension will only look better as time goes on as the cap continues to rise if he continues to be good and stay healthy. Now, if the player all of a sudden becomes bad or if the player all of a sudden becomes injury prone, then yeah, a big money contract isn't going to look so great. But if the guy continues to be who he is, then you should not worry about the money. The money will look better and better as time goes on. And regarding the cap continuing to rise, so the cap is based on league revenues. Those revenues are only going to grow. Given the new national television contracts, Uh, the NFL on March 18th, 2021, announced the signings of new long-term television contracts with media partners Amazon, CBS, ESPN slash ABC, Fox, and NBC. The agreements per Forbes came out to a total of 111 $0.8 billion. And these deals are all getting going here. The Amazon deal is set to begin in the 2022 season. The other deals are set to begin in the 2023 season. Each deal ranges between 10 to 11 years, and the total package essentially doubles 
what the NFL was making under its previous national television deals, about $5 billion per year. So the NFL is going from making about $5 billion per year from the league's national television contracts to making $10 billion per year from the league's national television contracts. So the NFL is about to start reaping the benefits of these new national television contracts. And so as those benefits are reaped, league revenues fly to the moon. The salary cap over the next few years could be $230 million, $250 million. A lot of people who I've spoken with think that we'll be at a $300 million cap sooner rather than later. So if it happens to be that the commander signed Terry McLaurin to a contract extension this offseason with some sky-high average annual value, you know, 20-plus million dollars, maybe even a number approaching $30 million, uh, don't be spooked by that. Don't be scared by that. Again, today's overpay is tomorrow's bargain. Understand the nature of the NFL salary cap. Unless there's a pandemic, Uh, The cap does nothing but go up every year. Uh, The commanders do have ample cap space as the NFL's new league year approaches. The commanders for OverTheCap.com have the ninth most effective salary cap space in the NFL. Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic DC on Monday reported uh, that the commanders are seeking to renegotiate the remaining terms of Landon Collins' contract. Uh, No surprise there. So the team's cap situation could be getting even better. We'll see. Uh, No way do I want Landon back on his current contract. He was better last season as the season went on in that uh, Buffalo nickel role, uh, but that still didn't make him worth what he was making. Landon's cap hit for the 2022 season is set to be $16 plus million. The commanders can afford that, but to me, uh, he hasn't played at a level commensurate with that. So if something can be worked out, great. If not, I have no problem with the commanders cutting Landon Collins. And now to the Commanders and Deshaun Watson. All right, so on Monday's show, episode 265, I talked about the many, and I mean many, uh, reports from the previous few days regarding the Commanders' search for a franchise quarterback. And among those reports were items having to do with the Commanders being interested in trading for Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. NFL insider Jeremy Fowler of ESPN on Sunday reported the following, quote, Washington general manager Martin Mayhew said his club has talked to any team that might have an available quarterback. I asked a team source about this and was told that's fair to take at face value. The commanders are looking everywhere from Russell Wilson to Deshaun Watson. Whether these discussions are formal or informal is unclear, but they are working hard on it. End quote. Also, NFL insider Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network on Sunday reported that the commanders remained interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. Well, we now have something else to add to all of this commander's Deshaun Watson stuff. But before I give you that something else, I want to set the stage properly. So this guy, Aaron Wilson, uh, first of all, he is a local. Uh, He is from the Washington, D.C. area. He went to St. John's College High School in Washington, D.C. Also, Wilson knows and likes Deshaun Watson. Aaron Wilson, in April 2021, in fact, was fired by the Houston Chronicle for which he had been covering the Texans. The Chronicle fired Wilson for comments that he made on Boston sports radio station WEEI in March 2021. Wilson, in that appearance on WEEI, called Deshaun Watson's legal situation, quote, a money grab, end quote, said that the accusers had not provided their names and that that was part of why Wilson was skeptical of the accusers' claims. And Wilson said that, quote, Deshaun Watson is a guy that is highly respected. I've known him for four years and, you know, been around him, not just at the stadium, but at charity events and social settings, end quote. Now, put aside whether what Aaron Wilson said was appropriate Put aside whether the Houston Chronicle should have fired Wilson, the takeaway for our purposes is that Aaron Wilson knows and likes Deshaun Watson. Aaron Wilson has a relationship with Deshaun Watson. 
And so with that as a backdrop, consider the following. Aaron Wilson went on B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan on Monday. Now, remember, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause in his contract, so he, in order to be traded, has to approve that trade. J.P. Finley asked Aaron Wilson what Deshaun Watson's reaction to potentially playing for the Commanders would be, and this is what Wilson said. I think he'd be interested, but, you know, I can't speak for him. I would just say that, yeah, I think, like, that would be something that would definitely have some intrigue and, you know, he would consider it just, yeah, like any other team. But yeah, that, I think they're an attractive team. Sure. What's wrong, what's wrong with them? And also uh, he could talk to Cam Newton who's one of his top mentors about Ron Rivera. And I'm sure Cam would have good things to say about Ron. So yeah, maybe that's a conversation. I, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but if it got serious, I'm sure that, he would talk to him about it, and but Cam would wave the flag. So, how about that? NFL insider Aaron Wilson, who knows and likes Deshaun Watson, got asked what Watson's reaction to potentially playing for the Commanders would be, and Wilson thought that Deshaun Watson would be interested in playing for the Commanders, and that playing for them, quote, would definitely have some intrigue, and he would consider it like any other team, end quote. Now, that last part, like any other team, uh, does pour some cold water on all of this, I'll grant you that. But I think that it's notable that a guy who has what seems like a pretty favorable relationship with Deshaun Watson and a guy who, in fact, got fired for being too pro-Watson didn't hesitate to say that Watson would be open to the commanders when asked whether Watson would want to play for the Commanders. Could it be that Aaron Wilson has had off-the-record conversations with Deshaun Watson about teams for which he would waive his no-trade clause? Could it be that Wilson has been told by Watson that he would be willing to play for the Commanders? I do think that the answers to these questions could be yes. Now, maybe Aaron Wilson in that answer that we just heard was just speculating, but then again, maybe Wilson in that answer that we just heard was telling us with a wink and a nod that, yeah, heck yeah, Deshaun Watson would be willing to waive his no-trade clause for the Commanders. Interesting, too, that Wilson brought up the Cam Newton thing, right? That kind of sounded like something that Wilson was told by Watson. Look, when it comes to the commanders trading for a bona fide star franchise quarterback this offseason, Deshaun Watson may be the only remaining option. I mean, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, seemingly has zero desire to play for the commanders. The Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, doesn't seem to be available. And while he seems to have some issues with the Seahawks and certainly seems to be flirting with the idea of of being traded. I don't get the sense that Wilson actually will request to be traded. Remember, Wilson has a no-trade clause in his contract, and then the Las Vegas Raiders don't look like they're trading Derek Carr. Uh, They look like they'll be extending Carr. Uh, Maybe this Arizona Cardinals-Kyler Murray situation becomes more of a situation, but as things stand right now, if the commanders are going to acquire a slam-dunk, no-doubt star franchise quarterback this offseason— The most realistic means of doing that appears to be trading for Deshaun Watson. And so that brings us to the Deshaun Watson legal situation. Now, keep in mind, the reason that Watson is available via trade in the first place is his unhappiness with the Texans, not the legal situation. Uh, We in January 2021 had multiple reports of Deshaun Watson being unhappy with the Texans over his lack of involvement in the hiring of New England Patriots executive Nick Casario as Texans general manager. And we had multiple reports of Watson being unhappy with this guy, Jack Easterby, who is essentially the Texans' Bruce Allen. Uh, Easterby is the Texans' executive vice president of football operations and seems to be viewed in Houston in much the same way that we viewed Brucey for so much of his time as a Redskins executive, but it was Watson's unhappiness with the Texans that triggered all of this to Sean Watson trade talk more than a year ago. And then the legal stuff happened. And the legal stuff has been a major deal. Uh, March 2021, a series of civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson began. Ultimately, 22 civil lawsuits were filed by massage therapists against Watson, accusing him of a range of actions during massage appointments from March 2020 
to March 2021. Watson has yet to be criminally charged. He still, though, could be criminally charged. And in fact, the expectation is that Watson's deposition will begin this Friday, March 11th. In terms of what Deshaun Watson has been accused of doing, it's important to understand he's not just accused of, you know, blowing a few kisses at massage therapists, okay? The alleged actions of Deshaun Watson include uh, not covering his genitals, groping, touching women's hands with his penis, ejaculating on a woman's face and body, and forced oral sex. All of those alleged actions are bad. Some are really bad. I mean, some of that is sexual assault. So understand, these allegations aren't just sexual harassment allegations. These allegations are sexual misconduct allegations that include sexual assault. And so is our team, which, as you know, is in the midst of a workplace misconduct scandal for which there is now a second investigation, really going to pull the trigger on a mega trade for a guy accused of these things. If Deshaun Watson is criminally charged, then you would think, no way do the commanders trade for Watson. But if he isn't criminally charged, then what? You know, I'm a big believer in not just assuming guilt when someone is accused of something. At the same time, Deshaun Watson isn't just accused of something. Deshaun Watson is accused of some things, okay? Deshaun Watson has 22 accusers. He hasn't been accused of sexual misconduct by one woman or two women or three women. He has been accused of sexual misconduct by 22 women. Unless you think that Watson is the victim of some vast conspiracy to bring him down, I don't know how you look at Watson and not at least have serious doubts about what kind of person he is. I mean, 22 women. Do you think that they're all lying? Do you think that they're all just making this stuff up? I mean, maybe they are. Anything's possible. But what's more likely, that all of these women are lying? Or that Deshaun Watson is guilty of at least some of this stuff? You know, what's not in dispute in this Deshaun Watson legal situation is that the guy likes massages a lot. Uh, His defense attorney is Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden, in a news conference on April 9th, 2021, said that Watson typically received two or three massages per week. Uh, One of the lawsuits against Watson said that he had used, quote, more than 50 different women for massages, end quote. Uh, Deshaun Watson, at the very least, likes massages a lot. Deshaun Watson, at the very least, likes being touched a lot, okay? But obviously, that doesn't mean that he's guilty of criminal conduct. It's not a crime (laughs) to like receiving massages. Because if it was a crime, then Deshaun Watson would be in jail for the rest of his life because the guy really likes his massages, okay? Uh, There's also this too. Rusty Hardin in that news conference on April 9th, 2021 conceded that sexual activity did take place between Watson and some of the massage therapists, though those encounters per Hardin were consensual. So there are many possibilities regarding what exactly the truth is in all of this. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know the truth. I don't know the truth. You don't know the truth. The only people who truly know the truth are Deshaun Watson and these massage therapists. Bottom line, here's where I'm at with the commanders potentially trading for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson is criminally charged, then the commander should not trade for him, okay? For a lot of reasons. If Deshaun Watson isn't criminally charged, and his civil lawsuits are settled, or they go away, uh, then I have zero problem with the commanders trading for Watson. And I want the commanders going all in on trying to trade for Watson. At the end of the day, the commanders are an NFL team. They're not a religion class. If our law enforcement and legal system find the Deshaun Watson legal situation such that it does not warrant criminal charges, we should accept that. And the commanders should do all they can to trade for Watson, even if he does end up getting suspended by the NFL. Now, if Deshaun Watson isn't criminally charged, but his civil lawsuits go on, then that does make things trickier. Uh, I will grant you that. But I still would say that the commanders should trade for Watson, because here's the thing. What if he's innocent? 
Or at the very least, what if he wins his civil lawsuits? Then what? I'll tell you then what. Trading for him might actually become a public relations win because he wasn't criminally charged and he won his civil lawsuits. Uh, I would add this, though. If Watson isn't criminally charged but still is facing civil lawsuits, the commanders do need to do extreme due diligence. Now, what do I mean by extreme due diligence? Well, uh, do as the Philadelphia Eagles apparently did. One of the things that Aaron Wilson noted in his report on Sunday was that, quote, Philadelphia Eagles general manager Howie Roseman previously conducted significant due diligence on Watson before last season, even sending an investigator to Houston to look into the legal situation and contacting Rusty Harden, Watson's attorney, per sources. And quote, uh, that's the kind of thing that I would want the commanders to do. If they haven't done so already, go to extreme measures to try to find out what the truth is in this Deshaun Watson legal situation. Hire a private investigator. Hire a PI if necessary. Maybe get the PI from Ozark, okay? You know, the guy who keeps bothering Marty Bird all of the time in Ozark? Poor Marty. Uh, but anyway, what matters here regarding whether the commander should be in on trading for Deshaun Watson is whether he gets criminally charged. If he is charged, then the commander should be out. If he isn't charged, then the commander's should be in. And obviously, if further allegations arise, then that matters too. But I find it notable that no new allegations have popped up for a while now. And when it comes to the commanders trying to trade for Deshaun Watson while the workplace misconduct scandal is going on, well, uh, that clearly is not ideal. And that clearly would not be a great look, okay? The optics wouldn't exactly be stellar. But you know what? If you're Ron Rivera, you can rationalize trying to trade for Deshaun Watson with the workplace misconduct scandal going on. And let's just speak truth here, okay? If the commanders trade for Watson and he's great and the team does well, then people will get over the team having traded for Watson in the midst of the workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, that's just the truth. Whether it should be the truth is another matter, but that is the truth. Professional sports are not meant to teach morality. Professional sports are entertainment and big business. And for all of the talk about Ron Rivera trying to change the culture with the team, uh, you can make concessions with the culture change if those concessions lead to winning, okay? Uh, because if Ron doesn't start winning soon, then he's not going to be here for much longer, and his culture change is going bye-bye anyway. And I think that that's the way that Ron is looking at this. I do think that the commanders uh, will be in on trying to trade for Deshaun Watson if he isn't criminally charged. Uh, the hope is that we'll have clarity on whether Deshaun Watson is being criminally charged by early April. Uh, if that does end up being the case, that we have that clarity by early April, that's a very good thing for the commanders because then uh, they will know well before the 2022 NFL draft if trading for Watson truly is an option. And if it isn't an option, then the commander's focus can become taking a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett in the first round of the draft. But if Watson can be acquired, then he should be acquired. Uh, look, is this entire scenario ideal for the commanders given what Watson has been accused of and given the workplace misconduct scandal? Heck no. Okay. I understand that. I get that. In a perfect world, the commanders wouldn't have to have anything to do with Deshaun Watson. But uh, the world, sadly, is not perfect. And there's also this. Just because something isn't ideal, doesn't mean that that's something can't work and can't prove to be the right call. And maybe, just maybe, those things would end up being the case with the commanders acquiring Deshaun Watson. Up next, our special guest, Jeff Ehrman, the publisher of InsideMDSports.com on Maryland basketball. Who is going to be the Terrapins' next head coach? What truly was behind the sudden departure of Mark Turgeon? as Terps head coach. Nobody is as plugged into Terp sports as Jeff is. You will get his insider access straight ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, barring a miracle run in the Big Ten tournament, the worst Maryland men's basketball season in decades will end this week. Uh, The Terrapins are the number 10 seed in the Big Ten tournament. They will face seven-seeded Michigan State at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis Thursday evening at 6.30. The Terps in the regular season went just 15-16 and overall, including just 7 and 13 in the Big 10 did go 4 and 2 after a 3 to 11 start in Big 10 play but still Maryland is in danger of finishing with an overall losing record in a season for the first time since the 1992 93 season. Uh, This has been a Maryland basketball season that, of course, has included the head coach, Mark Turgeon, abruptly leaving on December 3rd, just two days before the team's Big Ten opener. Uh, This has been a Maryland basketball season that has included an assistant coach, Bruce Shingler, being arrested for allegedly soliciting a prostitute. Uh, Now, the case was dropped, but Shingler was not welcomed back to the team. And this has been a Maryland basketball season that has included some hideous losses, including giving up 110 points in a home loss to Iowa on February 10th. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now, a man who knows Maryland sports like nobody else. Jeff Ehrman, the publisher of InsideMDSports.com. He does an excellent job covering Terps basketball and football. Uh, He has been all over the school search for its next basketball head coach. I read Jeff's stuff all of the time. I went to Maryland, as many of you know. Uh, You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff underscore Ehrman, and Ehrman is spelled E-R-M-A-N-N. Jeff, it's nice to have you back on the podcast, man. How are you? Hey, Al, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be back. I appreciate you being back. So you have covered Maryland sports for a long time. Has this, in fact, been the ugliest Terps basketball season that you've covered? Yeah, I would have to say it has been. I mean, and that's kind of, that's almost a compliment to the program, I think, when you're one game under 500 and, you know, win still win seven games in the conference, that that's as bad as it gets. You know, there's a lot of schools that that go through much worse. But yeah, this is, uh, this is their worst season. You know, obviously it's their first season under 500, uh, unless they make a run in 30 years. So by definition, record wise, it is, they haven't been terrible. You know, they actually have some good players. Obviously there've been some signs of life, but they just haven't been good enough to string together wins in a really tough conference. Yeah, I think that's a really smart point that Maryland basketball has avoided the crater season for decades. And who knows, maybe the season doesn't even end up being a crater season. But this is the closest thing that Maryland has had to a crater season since the early 90s. And that in and of itself is a credit to the program. So I'm with you on that. So what most Maryland fans, of course, care about right now the most is who the next head coach is going to be. The interim head coach, Danny Manning, was put in a really difficult position. Uh, We know that the Terps want to swing big for their next head coach. The program desperately needs some juice. Uh, Rick Pitino last Thursday tweeted that he will not be the school's next head coach. Who, in your opinion, are the top candidates 
to be Maryland's next head coach? Well, most of the, you know, the names that have been floating around the longest continue to be the names that you hear, which is uh, Kevin Willard from Seton Hall, Andy Enfield from Southern Cal. Uh, you hear a little bit of Ed Cooley from Providence. I think that one might be fading. He's having such a good season. I think he'll take an extension there. Uh, you know, Mike Bray from Notre Dame, his name has started to get in the mix. And then you have, you know, a long shot like Eric Musselman. I know they've discussed him too, but he's having a great season. He's got the number two class in the country coming in at Arkansas so that would be a really tough pull and then there's some other you know lesser known guys like Mark Pope from BYU uh, Nico Medved from Colorado State that I know they've taken a look at but you know to be honest I don't think anybody I don't know if even Maryland knows I'm not sure they have some idea but I don't know if they have like a guy like that like in previous searches at Maryland we knew Sean Miller was the guy in that football search years back we knew Mike Leach was the guy it's not like that there's no ordained top candidate this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being somebody we haven't even talked about a lot. Do you believe that money will be a factor regarding who Maryland hires as its next head coach? In other words, if whoever Maryland wants doesn't end up coming here, it's not because of money, it's because of something else, that the Terps will be willing to pay whatever is necessary to get whoever the Terps want. Well, people over there, you know, I've spoken to people pretty well-placed in the Maryland administration. They say money is not an issue. Of course, everybody's definition of that is different. You know, for these SEC schools, that might mean $8 million a year, whereas Maryland, that might mean we're going to start this guy off at $3.5 million, which is where Turgeon ended after 11 years. He started it, you know, under $2 million or whatever it is. Um, but I don't think money will be an issue mostly because – there's not a lot of those like like Musselman, for instance, or you know Bruce Pearl was talked about early on. That's obviously not happening. There's not a lot of those guys who are already making four million who you'd have to open up the bank for. You know the guys that they're targeting probably are making in that two and a half million range right now. So you're not going to have to spend a ton. So for that reason, I don't think money is is going to be an issue. With the Rick Pitino thing, him putting out that tweet last Thursday that so declaratively shut the door on him becoming Maryland's next head coach. Look, I get that he currently has a head coaching job. He's a head coach at Iona. But do you think that Pitino put that tweet out there more because he just doesn't want the Maryland head coaching job or because certain people at Maryland would be afraid of the criticism were they to hire him, uh, given what happened with him at Louisville. And so Patino launched essentially a preemptive strike because he knew that he would never get the Maryland head coaching job. Yeah, that's a great question, Al. I think it's the second one. I don't think Maryland really has been focused on him. From what I've been told, they're very much... Uh, wanting to avoid hiring somebody with baggage you know he's got as much baggage as almost anyone the question there is you know whether that's worth the trade-off is he's also got as much as many accomplishments as anyone out there and probably more uh but i don't think this the i don't think damon evans and and daryl pines the school president are really interested in him i think that was just you know kind of a bad rumor and if they were interested in him i don't think he would have come out as you said so declarative about about not being the guy so i think he said it because they they don't want him We're talking Maryland basketball with Jeff Ehrman, the publisher of InsideMDSports.com. I had Gary Williams on my podcast in December, just a few days after Mark Turgeon's departure as Maryland head coach. And I asked Gary about whether he would accept the head coaching job for the Terps if he was offered that job. He danced around the question. But do you know, has Gary at all come up as a candidate to be Maryland's next head coach? No, I don't think so. I think if this was, say, six years ago, he probably would have considered it, you know, a little younger then. I think now he's 77, kind of settled in that retired life. There's no doubt he could coach, but when you add in all the extra things, all the travel that goes into it, all the recruiting, you know, that's tough for these guys like Coach K and Beheim have been in it forever. To leave when you leave the game for 11 years and then you try to come back at that age, that's um, almost impossible. So, no, I don't think so. I think he's he definitely wants to make his opinion heard, though. He wants to be involved, and you can tell he personally, desperately wants Maryland to get back to being a national contender while he can still see it happen. 
Do you believe that the Maryland head coaching job is an attractive head coaching job? Well, everything's relative. I think it's a top 20 job. You know, Maryland fans a lot, I think, think of it more as like an elite top 10 job. But, you know, and the reasons are obvious it's because the fan support's great, the arena is great, and the local recruiting area is a hotbed. But on the flip side, you know, if you look at reality, Maryland's been the two Final Fours in school history that were back-to-back, you know, so it doesn't have quite that same history as some of the schools they might compare it to. And, and financially, they just don't spend like a lot of schools, including some uh, that most people would view as beneath them. I mean, you look at their... I think the only power conference program without a practice facility, that's going to change soon. But that kind of gives you an idea that the resources have not been, you know, equivalent equivalent to being a top 10 kind of job. That said, I mean, clearly, depending on what what else opens up, it'll be one of the best jobs on the market. It's I'd put it behind Louisville right now, but uh, it's an elite job for sure. You know, 99% of, of college basketball coaches would love to have that job. Would you put the Maryland head coaching job ahead of the Georgetown head coaching job if the Georgetown head coaching job becomes open? Yeah, I think I would by a wide margin. You know, Georgetown won under John Thompson. That was the whole identity of the program. Him and his family were the whole engine for that. And now that's gone. You know, obviously they're keeping Patrick Ewing around, which is, you know, it's going to be tough for him to to rebound from everything there uh they don't have the on-campus arena or as much fan support they don't have the big 10 i would say maryland is a significantly better job i want to ask you about mark turgeon's departure as maryland head coach two days before the terps big 10 opener the school announced that turgeon quote in a mutual decision end quote was stepping down as head coach, we not long after that got this parade of national college basketball personalities painting a picture of like mini pants Terps fans having made things too difficult to bear for Turgeon. Uh, I have tried to be open minded about why Turgeon left the way that he did. I didn't just want to kill the guy upon him leaving as he did. I always felt like maybe there was more to the story than we knew, but here we are now, more than three months later, and I mean, at this point, it doesn't seem like anything new really has come out. Is it, in fact, accurate to say that Turgeon quit on the team because he couldn't handle the pressure, he couldn't handle the criticism, and he had a feeling that the team just wasn't that good? No, I think everything you said is spot on. You know, you, like you said, I tried to be fair as well. You didn't want to pile on and, uh, you know, look like you're uh, just hating on somebody, basically. But, I mean, that's the reality. You know, I think he was already burned out. He felt like the fans were unfair, whether that's true or not. Everybody has their own truth. But um, the fans and the stress of the job had already worn him down, you could tell, by last offseason. That's why I was pretty convinced last offseason he'd probably go ahead and take a job somewhere else, maybe a little lower pressure environment you know as coaches like to as they like to say beat the posse out of town you know get out of there before it gets really ugly before it gets to that breaking point so you don't end up having to leave because you got fired and he didn't he wanted to stay you know his family loves the area i think that was the biggest reason and he thought his team would be better with the transfers that he got and you know very shortly into the season he realized it was it wasn't going to get any better players weren't listening to him as much as they he thought they would and you know he was just uh the pressure was just too much you could even see it the final few games you know he was having Matt Brady his assistant do a lot of the in-game coaching because he was just I think you know he just kind of had enough he was at a breaking point and and so he quit and you know, I think there was there was that talk that you mentioned about it was the fans that were and Maryland fans can be demanding or insulting or whatever, what have you. It's more of a pro sports environment than a lot of these other raw, raw college fans. But I, I don't think that was, I don't think they were overly unfair. I mean, the results were decent. He wasn't a bad coach, but, you know, he still had one, one sweet 16 in 10 years, you know, and no other postseason run to speak of. And, and that's what fans live for is March, you know, like right now. Maryland fans are going to be depressed for the next month, right? Not having their team in the dance at all. So I think your assessment is pretty accurate, you know, as to what happened. 
Mark Turgeon's departure as Maryland head coach happened on December 3rd. Am I correct in saying that Turgeon has yet to speak publicly since he left as Terps head coach? Yeah, you're correct. He has not spoken publicly at all. He deleted his uh, Twitter account immediately after <laughs> resigning and uh, and he uh as as far as i know he hasn't spoken with a lot of a lot of people around the program or anybody he just kind of just left and that, and that was it just ripped it off really you know it's hard to imagine being somewhere in 10 10 years being ingrained and being kind of the face of a program and the builder ceo and then just kind of deleting it all overnight but that's essentially what's happened Yeah, I would think that the nature of Mark Turgeon's departure as Maryland head coach is going to make it really difficult for Turgeon to get another big-time coaching job in college basketball. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but none of this reflects well on him. No, I think, you know, I'm sure there'll be some spin about the fans and things like that. And, you know, based on his resume, he should be able to find a decent job. He's been a winning coach. He's done a solid job. But, yeah, I think at a a high level like Maryland, it's going to be really hard to convince somebody after just leaving your team like that and how everything's gone down. I think, you know, maybe if it is. If it is a power conference team, you'd probably be looking at one of the, you know, like a De- not DePaul has a new coach, but so not them, but that kind of level of school, or else maybe back toward where he's from in Kansas in like, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference, something like that. When it comes to the actual Maryland basketball team this season, uh, it really is remarkable, right? This team was the number 21 team in the Associated Press poll at the beginning of the season. <laughs> that tells you what those early season polls are worth. But from a basketball standpoint, how would you summarize why the Terps weren't a good team this season? Yeah, I think, you know, the shooting has been a big problem. They've ranked in that low 200s in college basketball, like, I don't know what it was last time I looked, 285 or something in three-point shooting. We all know how important three-point shooting, half these games just look like three-point contests at this point. Uh, And then they don't have any depth. You know, the bench has not produced any offense for them for the most part. Julian Reese is going to be really good, but he's just young and raw and needs to get stronger. Otherwise, there's there's basically no punch coming off the bench, so you're relying on those top three guys to do everything. Fats Russell has been amazing lately. Uh, he wasn't at that level quite all year. If he was at this level all year, who knows, maybe it's a different story, but I think shooting and lack of depth have been major hits to the, the guys he brought in and to, to play, um, to come off the bench just haven't than what they were billed as. You earlier in our conversation brought up the transfers for Maryland. So many of us were so excited for Kudus Wahab, who transferred from Georgetown to Maryland. But Kudus Wahab has not ended up being what so many of us thought that he would be for Maryland this season. Why is that? What happened with Kudus Wahab? Yeah, that's another. I, I should have mentioned him too, along with um, the shooting in the bench. He he hasn't been as good as expected. I don't know. It's really a mystery. I've had conversations with a lot of people. Like, is it just um, you know the, the best conclusion I can come up with is that the bigs he faces in the Big Ten are a lot better than the ones in the Big East. Because you look at last year. That's not to say he's a bad player, obviously, but he was the Big East Conference uh, Tournament Player of the Year last year. Can you see him making that kind of run in the Big Ten tournament? I mean, it's not even in the realm of possibilities you have to look at the 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 change in competition level a little bit of change in playing style but yeah i mean cbs ranked him i think the number four transfer in the country and we all know that there's like ten thousand transfers so you know it just it's, it's really hard to put your finger on what the what the difference was there between the hype and the reality All right. Well, Jeff, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your time. Uh, I will certainly be reading your work at InsideMDSports.com as the Maryland head coaching search continues, and we'll see where that search takes us. Uh, Jeff, all the best to you. Thanks, Al. I appreciate you. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 267, it will be an anniversary show as we will properly honor, properly commemorate, and properly discuss the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. 
Yes, the Redskins trade to go from the number six pick in the 2012 NFL Draft to the number two pick in the 2012 NFL Draft. That trade was agreed on between the Skins and the then St. Louis Rams on March 9th, 2012. And of course, the Skins used that number two pick in the 2012 draft on a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at a Baylor named Robert Griffin III. Wednesday is March 9th, 2022, 10 years to the day on which the Skins agreed on what came to be known as the RG3 trade. Uh, That trade remains one of the most controversial transactions in the history of the franchise. Of course, RG3's tenure with the Skins is another massive story. On Wednesday's show, we're not going to rehash the history of Robert with the Skins, but we are going to talk about the trade. And is it not so fitting that the 10-year anniversary of the trade comes as the team, which now is known as the Commanders, still is looking for a franchise quarterback. And this offseason is trying like crazy to make another huge trade in order to get a franchise quarterback. So special conversation on Wednesday's show as Wednesday is the 10-year anniversary of the RG3 trade. Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Capitals. Uh, The Caps will be at the Calgary Flames Tuesday night at 9. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. RG3 electrified! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.